All right, this is Christian Brothers Speed Podcast, where we discuss black LGBT issues and topics. And I have some very good guests today. Um, one of the guests is actually with Heatism, which is an organization for men of color, which is also for big boned, big boned people of yes. <laughs> men of color. And also I have the assistant professor at Pace University who studies women and gender studies. And this is Mr. Jason Whitsell. How are you? I'm great. How are you? And I also have Mr. Tony and Emilio from Heatism. Hello, Chris. How are you? All right. Hey, Chris. Thank you for letting us be here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you guys actually came by. Um, I wanted to make sure this podcast was something that's actually educational in terms of letting people understand the big boy movement, you know, and this has actually been around for quite some time. And uh, the, also, Mr. Uh, Mr. Witzel, uh, Jason Witzel, actually wrote a book, Fat Gay Men, Girth and Mirth in the Stigma. And I want to kind of get a little education in terms of that so people actually walk away with something, you know. Uh, first question I want to ask you guys is, uh, first off, can you explain hedism? Oh, that's, I can definitely do that. Um, hedism basically is a weekend event that, I, that we produce for our big guys of color, um, our chasers of color. And basically this has been um, produced basically by looking at all the other circuit parties and other events that basically have us in the back. And all these chiseled men and I guess whatever you would call a social norm okay. to be on the forefront. And I decided, well, this is what we need to do. We need to go ahead and just find something for us normal-sized guys or thick guys, that you want to call it, yeah. to have something for our own and and have us a great place of a great place to come, have a good time, network, and do something that's positive for the community. Okay, how long has it been going on? Right now, it's going to be our seventh year. Seventh year, congratulations! Yes, thank you, congratulations! It's a blessing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I want to. The reason why I want to actually ask uh, Jason this question: When it came down to the big boy movement, I guess you can call it. I guess it's appropriate to call it a movement, correct? It's basically it's actually taken up a, it's taken up a form of its own for the past two three years. Um, from my understanding, it has only been one that was based in Atlanta, which was called the big, um, which was called the big dogs at first. And this is the myth for men of color, correct? This is a men of color as well. Okay. Um, they did that for a moment. It was just one of those little spotted, you know, targeted type of things they did every once in a while. And then my mentor, um, Jamal, he produced it, um, a retreat that was done in Orlando, um, during, um, during April. And I actually took that model in and formulated hedonism with those two combined. I said, well, we need to do something here in Miami. Okay. Um, so what that was done, then, you know, our, then we started in 2011. And then, um, then we started, um, Big Boy Pride was also the same year as we started. Oh. And then we have, um, you have heavy hitters that are now starting something, which is on their second year. And we have another one that's in Dallas as well, too, that's coming up. So it's been, of men of color, of you know, big men of color has been, you know, it's now starting to show. It's you know, starting to veer out to different states, and I'm happy for that. You know, it's more seat the table for everybody else to start doing it in their own cities. Yeah, this is interesting, Jason. Can you uh, give me some history in regards to the, you know, girth and mirth movement? When did that actually start? Yeah, sure. Um, girth and mirth started as a national social movement organization um, approximately around the 1970s. Um, the idea was a reaction to weight discrimination in the uh, gay community. Um, certainly, I think you can also kind of tie it to the emergence of um, what was called the Chapman Chaser Networks. Um, we could document maybe a little bit earlier. Um, I think that when you look at um, Earth and Earth, there are also um, the 
Bears, which is a splinter group of Earth and Mirth. Um, okay. The Bears, um, certainly like Earth and Mirth, um, they're big gay men. Um, they're physically bigger. Um, but they chose to emphasize their hairiness, I think, um, a bit more. Um, they also sometimes, you know, kind of give off a regular guy kind of masculinity. Um, so I think in some ways, Birth and Mirth was, uh, you know, a, a chump organization or um, big men. Um, and then the Bears, I think, you know, in some ways is still continuing that, that idea, um, but also um, thinking more about her suit or, or hairy men or emphasizing, um, you know, hairiness in a way that maybe Birth and Mirth is more about emphasizing ample body size. Ah, okay. See, this is something I didn't know. I didn't know there was a. I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't. Want to make hard and fast distinctions. I think there is a, a, you know, an affinity between the two groups. See, I didn't know that. I really did. It's didn't. a different sub. There's a lot of subcultures that you, you, yeah. you. It's a lot of subcultures that you never thought there they exist, but they're here. I thought they were all the same. <laughs> so, okay. okay. See, I okay. So I'm glad to hear this again. Educating for me. So bears. And big men, you know, or lovable men, big lovable men are basically a difference. One emphasizes more hair versus the other. Some, well, some, some embrace their hair as a big guy. Um, some just embrace their just just them being big and just being accepted, and you know, in certain ways. So it's it's a difference between the two, but it's it all has the same okay. meaning. Now, I, I do want to find out: is there truly a difference in uh, different cultures in terms of? how people are viewing size now. Because now you're getting a lot of people, well, a lot of designers even changing the label. What's considered to be large is now considered to be now medium. I think it's going yes. backwards a little bit. And so what are really what's really happening within society in terms of how society is viewing size? Is it now being a little bit more accepted? Is it now being a little bit more attractive? What is it? It has its ups and downs. It's not attractive in the fashion industry. That's that's for sure. Because if you're looking like what well, Sean John used to make clothes, that was for big men. Now his big men are pretty much now are more Italian made more so than anything. So the sizes are not true to size anymore. Um, so that's, that's just my personal um, outlook on that. Um, as far as big men, you'd be amazed that some men, some men of thinner size, like big guys now. Um, it's it's starting to. Rear its, rear its beautiful head, I should say. Right. You know, in that aspect. Um, but, um, yeah, big men are, are starting to now show up because now we're in shows, we're in movies and stuff like that. And now they see the appeal of what a big man looks looks like, what a big man can bring to the table, what a big man, you know, how confident they are now at this moment. So it's been it's been earthing. Like when you had the um, guy that was in, I forgot the name of, the, of this movie, um, he was a big guy, was HIV positive, and Everybody just closely and it gravitated to him because of such as such as um, positive energy and his good looks and things like that. So, big men has actually it's now starting to starting to come to focus, which is a great thing. You see, like different people like on um, the guy, big guys in um, TV shows now. So right. they're they're lovable, and we're starting to get some kind of like some good positive energy and press. Jason, would you agree with that? I think Tony mentioned looking. Was that the example you gave? Yes, looking. That is it. Yeah, I thought that's what I heard. Yeah, certainly, I, I was um, following that show and unfortunately got canceled, but I, I thought that that was a, a really, um, you know, it allowed gay folks to do category work and see that um, gay men come in all shapes and sizes and, and colors and creeds. Um, and so, you know, to have a, a gay man on that show and also, you know, 
somebody who had a sexual identity and, um, you know, he actually um, got to see his body, right? Uh, he wasn't concealing it or camouflaging it in shame. Um, so I, I agree with you that I, I was really interested in that, that representation. Um, that said, I mean, I do think that in U.S. society, we typically come down hard on people of size. Um, we, you know, fat is not a dirty word, but we fill the word fat up with all of these negative associations. And so, you know, we take a, a simply descriptive term like fat and, and we medicalize it as a disease like obesity, or we say someone's deviant that they're overweight, that they've exceeded some, you know, ideal measurement. And so I do think in U.S. society or in Western society, People of size are expected to normalize their bodies and they're subjected to, you know, people selling them fat diets for exercise or weight loss surgery. So, you know, I guess I'm a bit more of a missing trope in the sense that I, I think that looksism or appearance-based discrimination is part and parcel of um, the U.S. world. And I think in the gay male community in the United States, I think it's even more difficult. And certainly there's not one gay male community, but I think there's a kind of belief in this ideal body type. Um, there's this kind of monolithic image of um, what a gay man should look like. And I think, like women, gay men experience a lot of conflict with their appearance and their fatigue and their relationship to food. And so I think that, um, I certainly agree with Tony that it's, it's time to, to see more representation with big men because big gay men have an exclusion that goes beyond being gay. I mean, all, you know, queer people feel this kind of exclusion, um, you know, from heteronormative society, but I think that big gay men also sometimes feel excluded uh, within their own world, right? Um, that the gay world also comes down pretty hard on them. Um, so I think I would just interject that there is a kind of gay male um, and gay men feel enormous sense of pressure to fit into a very narrow range of beauty. Um, and a lot of mainstream gay media promotes that, you know, this kind of single body standard for gay men. So I agree with Tony, I want to celebrate um, these images that might blast us out of, of what we've come to accept as the stereotype of gay men, and, but we need a lot of those images um, to, to blast us out of the way that we're thinking or the way that we have... Um, it's not only the dominant culture that depicts gay men in a certain way, but gay men themselves um, tend to, you know, prioritize um, certain men over others. And some men, like fat gay men, are oftentimes cast off in gay society, or they're marginalized. Wow. You know, I, I do want to know, is, is could there some be, somewhere be a, a difference between being black and bigger versus being white and bigger? Is there a truly a difference in terms of how each views someone of bigger and plump or I don't want to use the term fat it just has a <laughs> negative I don't want to use the term fat it's basically big and lovable well that's okay I've been influenced by fat activists and that's where my terminology but the men would usually use big or chubby you know they would use other terms if that please right okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the word word fat doesn't have to be a bad word you could take it and say fabulous and thick Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Fabulous and thick. 
So he was asking, do you think that there's a difference? Yeah, I mean, um, does, I mean, does, does, does people of color view bigger men in a I different fashion or the same? I, as- I can't really speak on the Anglo side of things. I can only speak on the African-American side of right. things. We're accepted to a certain degrees. I know during the, in the South, I know big men are really accepted there. To okay. some degree, you know, oh, if you're okay. not a basketball or football player type bill, okay, they some people find that very attractive. Huh? You know, sometimes we have this issue where you know what is thick, what is big, what is fat, and what is muscular thick, or right, right, or you know, so it's a lot of different variables that goes with that. Um, but um, I, I really, I really see that on a, on a male perspective, it's a little bit, it's not as harsh. Okay, I think it's it's harsh in a way where how we look. Okay. More than anything, how we represent ourselves to others, meaning as are we dressed well, we, you know, because we always have that conversation that we're fat, we don't dress well, we're sloppy, we don't look good, we, that, that we're nasty, we or we, we don't bathe or something like that. Right, right. So we, in our community, that's how they look at us like that, in that particular um, spectrum. I don't know exactly how that, you know, on the other side, how that is viewed, but I know on our side, it's usually, it's, it's, it's your appearance. And if, you, if you're big, your, your appearance should look suitable. You know, you just brought something very interesting up. Region. Mm-hmm. You read the part, different parts of the U.S. in terms of how they view, uh, bigger men versus the rest of the other society. Mm-hmm. Like maybe more coastal areas don't view bigger sized men as well as people in the South or Midwest. Exactly. You know, I didn't even think about that. Jason, what, what was, what's your opinion on terms of how each culture views big men? Well, I mean, I do agree with Tony that I mean, part of when you're talking about ample body size, it, sociologically speaking, it becomes a kind of master status. And so there's a kind of stigmatizing character when we talk about ample body size. And so oftentimes people will kind of fixate on somebody's body size and they can't see anything else but that. Right. <laughs> and then they assume that that person holds, you know, a whole host of other imperfections. But Tony said, you know, this idea that normal weight people, whatever that is, um, make negative assumptions about fat people, you know, that they're sloth or that they deserve to be snubbed or they don't deserve to be treated like a human being, right? Um, or that they're unsexy or that they deserve to be taken sexually advantage. Yeah, if they're sexually Um, or you look at the heavy hitters, you know, these events are 
we're trying to spotlight um, not just big men that don't fit the gay media stereotype, um, but also big men of color that perhaps don't always feel welcome um, in some of these mainstream bear events. So, you know, I, I do think that your question is a good one, that there is a question of whether they feel a deep sense of inclusion at some of these events. Um, there are oodles of bear events each year. There's probably 100, at least 100 bear events every year. Um, probably more than that. Don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> Runs, I think some men of color might feel hesitant to, to spend their money on some of these events if they don't feel deeply included. So I think the idea of hedism or big boy pride that has photography and marketing, you know, I looked at the hedism page and I, I looked at the page, it's beautiful. I mean, there's these gorgeous images of black and brown bodies of size and black and brown men are encouraged to attend. Um, it's not that whites are excluded. You know, I think in this case, it's clear that people of color are welcome, and I don't think that may always be the case in some bigger media. So I do think that's a, a, a question that's, that's interesting. You know, I wrote my book, um, I collected my data from 2006 to 2008. Um, I kind of ended in about 2010, and that was prior to the formation of, um, I think, Tony, you said 2011 for Hedon, mm-hmm. when it was founded? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, um, you know, if I were to do it all over, I think I would have a very different context or terrain. Um, but that said, you know, if there are more than 100 bear events, and three of them in particular are, are you know, catering to big men of color, um, you know, I, I also have to wonder, is that enough, you know, in terms of these spaces, you know, are there enough places for for um, men to feel welcome? Wow. You know, it, it appears that, you know, I, I guess for me, I guess I don't sometimes see the, the bigger size as so much as threatened by the smaller guy anymore. Is Would you guys find that, you know, to be the case? You guys just kind of say, you know what, I'm me and I'm just loving it. And does these events seem to help people accept that? It actually does. It, it does. It, it motivates them to be themselves and give them the confidence that they've always needed. Um, going through whatever they've gone through from probably from high school until grown, till they're grown and hiding the fact that they're, they're big, they're not good enough or they don't, they're not accepted enough. They're not getting that job because of their weight and stuff of that nature. So these things play out. So it's great that we have these type of events or these type of, um, associations or clubs or whatever the case may be that, that gives people that empowerment. And I've seen some of my, um, attendees that have, that have came who were very shy. And now have this zeal for life and are as confident as ever. And I think that, you know, we need that kind of mentorship for, you know, guys that are, who are um, gay and of, of size and to, you know, make them know that, you know, you are more than just your size. You know, right. you're bigger than that, you know, be honest with you. And it's a great thing when you have somebody that you can see from one level that goes to another level and they're just really taking charge of their life. Chris, I, to add to that, I think that. Tony nurtures that with hedism. I believe that what separates hedism from all the rest of the circuit parties is hedism is more of a family function. 
everyone that comes to Hedism feels like family. It's like a family reunion every 4th of July weekend. Okay. And everyone that comes says the same thing. It's like, I'm coming home to family. I've heard some guys personally say, I skip my own family reunion to come to Hedism. Wow. Because <laughs> it's a family feeling. And I think for Tony, he he nurtures that in each person that is there. Wow. Yeah, that's actually pretty interesting how people... Well, also within the, being the fact that within the gay community, you find friends to be that family, that extended yes, family. exactly. And so, well, the next question, when it comes to your events, how large is your events? Um, I, it's pretty moderate. I, I look at with get with outside outside guests from out of town and locals, I'd say about a good 100, 150 at the most. Okay. You know, I started my first, when I started first, it was only 80 people. And then the word of mouth and then just good PR work and media, whatever the case may be, and, and word of mouth. Um, now I'm pretty much at a weight round, like about 100, 150, give or take. Okay. You know, and I like it that way. You know, I like it where it's not so big where you can't meet people. I don't want it to be too small where you, you know, I want it to be where you can be able to network, be able to talk to someone, be able to say, hi, this is me, this is whatever. So we do the meet and greets and we do these different things so that way you know where you're from the same area. And um, it's a great thing to see, you know, we, we, made, we made friendships with people from some from North Carolina is the closest friend for someone in Dallas and they just met by being roommates at our in our events. Right. And they have been the best of friends ever since. So it's it's a great thing to see when you when you put something put your work into something and see how it works and how it affects other people. You know, I I like that. Uh, anything that actually builds confidence for exactly who you are and acceptance of who you are. But but you know, you mentioned employment. That was that actually, <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, my, you know, I didn't even think about that when it comes down to employment. That that's still, um, you know, Jason, I'm pretty sure you can chime in on this. When it comes to people viewing, you know, people of of size, is it still considered to be something that is almost like taboo? To you don't want to bring that into your your employment. First, I do want to second, um, you know, Tony's reflection on on these groups and friendship circles, right? I mean, they they in many ways become your chosen family, right? Or the family that you choose for yourself. And um, this whole idea that um, you know big men in their communities foster self, I think again is something so important to reiterate here. You know that there is a a process of coming to identify positively as a big gay man or even an admirer thereof, right? I mean, if you think about center men who are interested in, in big men, um, you know, they're often seen as deviants for their sex object choice. You know, they're supposed to want to be with an ideally thin man or a muscular man or something. So I do think that um, I just want to reiterate what was your last question? I heard it kind of. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you. Uh, when it when it comes to employment, is that still? Yeah, is that still something that's considered to be uh, among society like a taboo? You really don't want to put that person as the forefront. And it's so funny because you see so many representatives of bigger size <laughs> uh, representing the company. The CEO, for God's sake, most of these people are usually of large size. They're not skinny people. So, I mean, is that still something that's considered to be taboo for employers? Oh, I think that, yeah, I mean, the data still shows that, um, you know, people with size um, aren't discriminated in terms of hiring practices. So, um, certainly if we're talking about big men of 
color, um, we know that um, there's racial discrimination in hiring, so um, intersect that with size of discrimination. And I think you've, you're talking about somebody that might be marginally, uh, mostly marginalized in terms of employment, right? Um, no, I, I do think that that's still um, something that, you know, we have to keep an eye on. And, you know, kids in schools, um, when you look at bullying in schools, and you look at GLSEN or some of these organizations that collect information on, you know, LGBTQ bullying, um, a lot of people will report that the thing that was being made fun of is the way that I looked or my size, these sorts of things. So I, I also think that, um, yeah, I think it has real consequences, um, whether it's um, on your employment, um, the way you're treated at school. Um, we also know employers do things like provide incentives um, based on your body weight um, and people's size oftentimes, um, you know, don't get the same incentive network. Um, so, for example, you know, if you work at, um, I won't name the name of this large grocery store chain, uh, but there's many of them in New York, um, they provide uh, a certain amount of discount to their employees based on their BMI and these sorts of things. That's um, true. So, I mean, it does have real consequences, I think, on, on people's lives. Um, and your question about taboo, I mean, I do think when you look at big gay men, you know, they're either desexualized, you know, they're, they're not seen as appropriate sex objects, or they're hypersexualized. They can also be um, seen as fetish objects, so sometimes they get bifurcated in these two different ways. You know, I, I am kind of curious, have we seen any changes within the entertainment industry because that has that plays a huge part in terms of how people view that if that sexual object happens to be an actor of a bigger size but people kind of get a sense like oh that is attractive is there any actor or has hollywood changed their their ways on that at all through the years i mean, I mean like any particular actor you guys have found that to be an added bonus for people of for people uh, of size hmm um I've seen a lot of actors who have become that were bigger and now losing weight because they have to fit that part to get the roles that they need. Um, say, for instance, like Miss Cinebay that's in Empire, she's losing weight. And I'm only thinking, I'm not sure if that's only for a personal reason or health reason, but she's losing her weight. Um, look at um, the winner of, um, of um, uh, what's Scott? What's, what's the little show? I forgot the name of it. Um, American Idol. On American Idol. Yes. You know, he, he sings great, but they're not using him because of his size, you know, and you don't see him or, you know, you don't see him now producing anything at this moment. So it, it's almost like, yeah, you're in the Hollywood scene, you're in the entertainment scene, but you're only there for that brief moment. Then when, when the, when the work is not there, then your mindset changes. Now, what do I need to do now? I need to go ahead and go ahead and get this, get this surgery and now be able to fit in. Like Jennifer Hudson. Same with her. You know, I'm quite sure she had to do that to blend in. True. You know, True. it could have been health. I, I would doubt that. But I'm sure now that she's getting more gigs now before she would have, she wouldn't have if she was bigger. So I stayed to say she was. You know, masculinity is also something I, I always question too. And I was talking to Emilio about that. When it comes to masculinity, you know, is that, is being of large, because sometimes people who are, just say the chasers. <laughs> Let's just say the chasers for a minute. They may view it as protection. They may view it as a man, being more worth of a, of a man because of that size. Um, 
is that I'm not sure is it different for those who are people of color or different uh, for those who are not. I'm not sure if it's, it's the same. Is a masculinity plays its part in terms of your size? It plays a part to some degree. Um, like I said before, I can only speak on my end of the, of the spectrum of being a man of color. Um, some of the um, gay community like the big guys that are more of a thug approach or more of a more hyper masculine approach, you know, who wear the, the saggy jeans and the Tims and, you know, the hat crossed, you know, to the side, as opposed to someone that may be a little bit more traditionally or more, you know, more creative in their fashion. Right. You know, but if they see something like that, that attracts them more because they like what they see. Hmm. Is a masculinity still uh, an attractive for uh, other other events? Would you say, Jason? Yeah, I mean, I think that when you look at um, certainly the the bare um, notion, I mean, I think the whole idea is signaling a kind of regular guy masculinity. I mean, I think traditionally, I'm, I'm not trying to. Stereotype, but if you think historically, uh, the idea of the bear wearing a flannel shirt and jeans and kind of that lumberjack drag, um, I think that that was about signaling a kind of regular guy masculinity. And I think that when you look at big gay men, um, fat sometimes is seen as effeminizing, right? I mean, a lot of gay um, ads, whether it's you know in the old paper print ads or today on Grinder or wherever you might look. Um, We'll say no fats, no fins, no Asians, right? We have a very um, sizeist, a very racist um, sort of gay world, right? And and oftentimes fat um, is seen by some people as feminizing, and so um, you know I think it can go either way. On, on one hand, you can be seen as um, you know your size lends to you know your your masculine masculinity, but I also think it can also be seen as a feminizing. Your question about race, I think, again, is is really important because it depends on who's making those distinctions, right? I, I think that, um, you know, at, at Big Boy Pride, um, it's going to be very different than if you're talking about um, a large black man in the dominant society. Um, I think historically, black men in history have depicted a when you lose the weight <laughs> Emilio enlighten me on this what happens when you lose the weight I mean do you see you know you kind of lose your crown in a sense well you don't lose your crown you just face a different battle <laughs> you know it, it's just a different battle and you know I, I want to be 
and and I hate yeah it's also a mental battle and I hate to seem so hard on us as color but I think we face in the African American community we face a harder time amongst each other being of size and I think I was telling you earlier that I think one of the harshest critics that I've ever seen was an African-American male, Walter Hampton. He was the harshest critic that I had ever seen come against men of size. And he is a man of color and size. But because he feels he's muscle, it makes him better. And, you know, it... It's a really harsh situation, right. you know, because men of color, we get it from both ends. Right. You right. know, so we don't fit in at Sizzle. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't fit in DC Pride. In DC Pride. So, you know, it's it's really we have a really hard you know, time with it. So Okay. But like going back to losing weight, you lose the weight and you still have, you have another battle. And then you have to not only lose the weight, but you have to lose the weight mentally. Cause you feel, because you, you still, still you're fat a big when you guy. lose that weight because you're still mentally thinking that you're big. You know, when you've lost that weight, you have that same mentality that you were when you're larger you're right. and you're not really embracing the change. Wow. Okay, so wait a minute. So for for those who, I mean, have you seen any of your friends? Or, yes, yes. I mean, Jason, I'm pretty sure you can chime in on this. Have you guys seen how people struggle with it? And are they still going to the big boy? Are they still going to hedonism? Yes, yes, going, yes, yes. And are they still enjoying themselves? I mean, is there a difference in they're, terms of how they... I would say there are, but I think there are limitations to their enjoyment. Because I think they're thinking, well, what are, you know, what are the other people are thinking of me as as my look? Or, or, you know, I'm not that hyper bouncy bouncy person I used to be. Now I'm, you know, I think they're more guarded to some degree, but then they, they, they still have fun, but you can still see they're guarded in, in certain areas, you know, so. Jason, are those considered to be chubby chasers now <laughs> when they lose the weight? <laughs> well, I mean, I think this is, this is the, the strange thing. I mean, so much of this is arbitrary. I, one time I was asking an interview to, Define girth and you know, what constituted a, a girth and rumor. And I mean, I think I think it's difficult. I can't you know label a, a pound or an exact body type. Um, but I do think that it, it poses interesting questions. I mean, there are big men for big men, for example. So I think oftentimes these groups um, are kind of depicted as you know, chubby chaser, and it's this oppositional pairing of a big man and a thin man. Um, and certainly there are those kinds of relationships, but there are certainly a lot of big men for big men. Um, and there are big men who chase other big men. <laughs> um, so there are big men who could be chubby chasers, right? I think it's kind of arbitrary in that sense. Um, I did hear earlier um, a comment, too, about muscularity. I mean, I think that a lot of birth and mercers talk about sometimes not feeling welcome at their events, and particularly over the years, this kind of um, advent of the muscle bear, um, that there is even a hierarchy, I think, within some of these groups. Um, you 
know, there's certainly the hierarchy of the gay world that, um, you know, there are the gym rats and there, there are bears and then there are you know, men of average stock and then, and then maybe the Girth and Mercers. I, I don't know what the exact order would be. But even within these groups, there can be hierarchies. So in Girth and Mercer, for example, um, you know, I was troubled when I was doing my research that there are men that are labeled super chubs. Um, again, I can't give you a definition. Um, one respondent told me the kind of people Richard Simmons would want to get his hands on with his definition. Um, but they're, you know, big men um, who are at the, the farther end of the spectrum. And there were some men in Girth and Mercy who said, you know, a super chip, I, they're human, I'll be their friend, but they're too big for me in terms of, of a romantic relationship. And so there are questions here about, you know, how far do you take your, your politics into your bedroom? And, and you know, it, it, it's troubling that some men, you know, also feel excluded even within the network, or they become fetishized. You know, that, that, you know that if you have a chaser that's maybe wanting to put a notch on his belt, that he's been with one of the biggest men. So all that to say that even within group, you know, these groups, don't, they're not necessarily perfect, right? There can be hierarchies um, within these groups, you know, about a chaser is, is tricky. I think there are a lot of big men that are um, interested in chasing other big men. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, you know, see, Tony's agreeing with everything you're saying. There's power in big men for big men. <laughs> so I, I was saying that Tony's agreeing with everything you're saying, uh, Jason. There's another question that comes to my mind, though, in terms of, all right, so say, for instance, that because it seems like to be there's an explosion of these events. There's kind of an explosion within white culture, but also growing more, maybe maybe not as fast, but slowly within the people of color, those events. So isn't that necessarily saying what? Isn't that saying to society, which, by the way, the average American is not necessarily of a petite size either. So it, it could that also be the fuel as to why these events are growing because America, quite frankly, we're growing larger than every other country. Um, that's a good question. Um, I really think that the reason why we put these events out, I guess these particular organizations together is to make everyone feel comfortable in, in the skin they're in. Right. Um, when you go to, I would say to Going to another club, I mean, another place that physically looks at you as, you know, you can't be that person, that flyer, you know, but, and then you go to these other events, you feel, you can see yourself, you can relate to these people. In other places, you can't relate to that. Right. You know, sometimes we are just the person that could be just the, um, the person that helps you get the, per- get the boy that you want. And we're, you know, we're, we're that kind of, that we're that side person that helping you get the guy that you want, you know, so it's, you know, have you noticed your dating status went up? My dating status? Has it went up because, you know, you've... No. <laughs> My dating status is not... It's not going up. Emilio, what you say? It's flatline. Really? <laughs> it's flatline. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, I, I think if we talk about his dating status, and I always say it in hedism, Tony is the father of hedism. They look at him as the father of hedism, the wisdom that comes with him. That gray hair didn't just get there. There's wisdom (laughs) with it. And I think that the respect is almost like people would look at their dad. So I don't think that 
It's like, I'm not going to sleep with my dad. <laughs> so I think that that's where, why his dating status may not have changed <laughs> within like the hedism brand. <laughs> you know, so he's just a pleasure to people, you know. Well, now, when it comes to apps, dating apps, and I'm pretty sure, okay, we know Jacked. We know Grinder. Fine. Is there any apps right there to, when it comes to the people, because I'll, I'm looking at this, the popularity of these events, the popularity of, I think there's now designers getting a little bit more into that. Maybe not as much as we would like, but they're now designers catering to that, you know, to the, the full figure, whether it's men or women. Is there any dating apps now for the bigger guy? Lots of dating apps. We yeah. have a few. We have a couple of them. For the bigger guy? Can yeah. you keep, name a few? I don't know any of Should these. Should we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 you got Bigger City. You have um, Growler. You have Growler. You got Scruff. Yeah. Um, you have another. There's a few others as well, too, that are out there. I don't know them by hand, but I know those are the most popular ones at this moment. Growl, so Growler is for the... Go ahead. No, growler. Oh, I was going to say, I, I think it's, um, it's it's really important, too. I mean, there, there have been online um, big men and bear communities that have come and gone, but there, there's always, you know, um, um, you know, online apps. And I think it's important because if you think about a lot of dating apps, you know, the drop-down menu is like Swimmer's Build or, you know, Muscular. And then yes. for a person's size, right. you have like one or two choices in that drop-down menu. Um, whereas if you are in a more niche community online for big men, you know, you, you have more options to, to describe yourself. And, and it's not, I think a lot of apps kind of fit you into these boxes and, um, you know, Big men can only be one box. Oh, and they also, and also, when you're in some of these apps as well, it's kind of a problem. You can't differentiate how you're special, you know. Uh, and sometimes when you look at some of these apps as well, too, we're used as prey, as for the um, for those who want think that we to, to pay for play. <laughs> they say, oh, like you know, you're 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 so big that you you know you don't you don't own this app. You know, pay up and pay up for some loving, oh. and yeah, you get a lot of that too. And it's really, dis- it's really upsetting this when when they do that. Wow. You know, they feel that you're not you're not worth you know having a, a companion or whatever the case. I've got to pay for it, right? right. And that's and you've seen that a lot. You see a lot of in 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 in, the, in when you see men of size, they see your weight or whatever like that. They just, yeah. Um, the wisdom of Tony, you know, he's getting at too. I think like there's. There's so many whammies, right? So if you're if you're a, a big man or a man of size and you're going onto some of these apps, you know, there's poses a, a, a problem. But also, I mean, if you look at things like I know Grinder is maybe a little bit older, but my students still know what it is when I talk about it in class. <laughs> I, I teach classes on game experiences, by the way, so it's, it's the topics right. Um, but you know, Grinder. People will purposely go out of their way to make racist comments on Grinder, um, or you know, to block certain categories of people. So, you know, as a big man of size, but also a big man of color, um, I can imagine that those apps um, become very disheartening because you, you know you don't even. Whereas, if you go to a, a hedonism event, you know, people can't just block you. I mean, you're, you're at an event where you're interacting with other people, right? Um, so I, I do think the online world um, has, you know, broadened our possibilities for dating, dating, but also made 
what is it that you want from Hedism? First off, how many cities do you normally go to with Hedism? Well, we're only in Miami, but we, what we do is on during the winter season, we like to travel to different cities, like we did Houston last, last this year. Nice. And it was really well received. I think we had about a good hundred people that came out from all across the nation to come to Houston, and that was our starting point to introduce Hedism to people who had never been the heat, have those who have already been the heat to come out and enjoy each other. And we had one of our um, great gracious hosts, SK and um, Rodney, to um, help host that because we, you know, we don't live in Houston, and they were they were very happy to oblige, and we really appreciate what they've done. They set everything up to from Thursday to Sunday. Wow! And it was almost like another event in itself, and it created a lot of great attention. It created a lot of good buzz. It'll create, it'll create a lot of, um, um, I'd say, energy for the city itself. Yes. You know, and it was a great thing. And then we was um, in North Carolina last year. Nice. And, you know, we just do spots. We do spot cities and we do like a weekend brunch, as I call it. You know, heat, meet and greet. And we just and we just have a good time. Everybody has come to. We do smaller cities. We don't do the big metropolitan cities. We do those small cities. Everybody grab, you know, get a hotel. We go and we find a place to eat brunch. We just find a little place to just have a good time, have a cocktail or two, and embrace the people that are in that particular city to come. Hey, this is what we do. This is how we are. And we get people from the different cities, and they already say, "Okay, I'm coming to heat. I'm ready to go." And it's the way we do it. You know, everybody will do different things, but I think the way we do it, we do it more of a more of a family type thing. We're on a move, we're going here. You know, we let everybody know in advance this is where we're going to be at. So get you know get prepared for it. And it's been great. We always do that every year. So I don't know what our our next year plan is going to be during the winter, but we have an idea. Okay. But we just like to make sure that we do different cities so that we we're, our people know who we are and where we're from, and then come to our end of show. You know, let let us show you how how we have fun in our on our side of town. And it's been successful. You know, uh, I remember my uh, my grandmother. One time, I was I was destined to lose my football weight. So basically, I just started drinking up all the water and jogging every day. This is when I was actually coming from high school because I was playing high school football mm-hmm. to go over to college. And I remember one day, my grandmother walked in, and I, my back was turned. I was sitting at the table, mm-hmm. and she asked my mother, "Who is this?" Because <laughs> I lost a lot of weight, mm-hmm. and my mother says, "That's." That's Chris. Mm-hmm. Oh, baby, you need to eat. You have to eat something <laughs> because it's not accepted within the Southern mm-hmm. culture. Do you see yourself venturing a little bit more mm-hmm. into the Southern region mm-hmm. to for, for hedonism? Yes. You do? I do. What were your aspirations in the next five years? Um, to get better, stronger, and larger, hopefully. Okay. Okay. Um, I like to take things as it go. Okay. You know, and I like the the, 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 how we're doing each day, each process, each year. It's a learning process. So we always get back into the, to the, to the lab and figure out what we're going to do for next year and make it bigger and better and greater. And, you know, we're looking forward to having more people. I like for it to be more of a, how you call it? Um, like prom. You know, you first come out. We want this to be your, your first spot to come out because every place that you go is not going to give you that positivity that you're looking for. Gotcha. You know, we want to be that that first step that you go to of a guy's size, and you're also gay as well too. We want you to come over here, let you see the experience of what positivity looks like for a gay positive, you know, man of size. Nice, nice. Emilio, it's the same thing. You want to see that as well? Yeah, I, Tony loves to keep the family together, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I I told him that even when I, I met Tony about three years ago. And I met him through another friend. And 
he came into my area and they started talking about heatism. From that moment that they talked about heatism, and at this time I lived up in Connecticut, I knew that heatism was a great event. Never had been, but I heard the conversation and I knew that it was a great event. I knew that I wanted to be a part of it. So when I finally moved to South Florida and, you know, I was asked, you know, hey, would you like to be a part of this? I jumped at the opportunity. And the reason being is the family, you know, and I love that about it. And I would love to see hedonism grow. I believe that it can grow. I believe that it can be even bigger than the hundred and hundred and fifty that comes in. You know, I know Tony wants to keep it a hundred, hundred and fifty, but I can see the motivation. I believe that it's greater than its name. I believe that hedonism is just that component that's greater. You know, um, so yes, I, I totally agree with Tony. I love to see it grow. Jason, do you see the movement of the the big boy movement or the girth and mirth or bear movement? My God, there's so many names now. Uh, do you see it consistently going to grow, or do you see it something as something that possibly to kind of pull back, especially with some of the employers kind of getting their employer employees to lose more weight for the cost of saving a dollar, healthcare, et cetera? Do you see that as something that may possibly? go further and further down because of the society and also the pressure for employment, employers. Yeah, I, I think it'll continue to grow. I mean, I, I have to say that um, there is a, a place, you know, in, in um, the, the gay world for, for these groups, and they're so important. I mean, I think, um, you know, we talk so much about people feeling empowered by being in these groups and um, that it builds a sense of togetherness and, and I keep hearing family over and over again which um, you know this is a sense of support for people and, and you know you go away from these events and you feel rejuvenated and you can't wait to come back the next year and, and rekindle you know friendships with people you met the year before make some new friends and I think that you know these, these activities are, are of course, they're fun activities. These are joyful weekends, and they're they're certainly not just social activities. They're sexual activities too. It's socializing, sexualizing. It's, it's all that good stuff. Um, but but it's so much more than that. I mean, I think that um, there there is such a, a, a need for these events, and people come away rejuvenated. You know, they feel like. I can go back and face a fatphobic society at home. I can go back and face a sizeist gay community back at home, or whatever the case may be, right? So I think that, you know, these groups, um, it's my hope um, that they will continue to grow. Um, you know, I think that the gay men have very wonderful and extensive networks, and, you know, they're, they're sending a message that we have the right, just like any other gay man, to party and, and get laid and have a good time, uh, <laughs> cultural activities in the host city, um, you know, it's, it's also about dancing and good food and, and maybe, um, you know, a themed event. Uh, so I, I do think these groups, at least from what I'm seeing, not only will they continue to grow, but since I did my research um, prior to 2010, it's clear that um, there are also spaces being made um, for people who maybe 
first space um, where I can feel, you know, black and brown solidarity. <laughs> so I also think that it's, it's about a family um, from Minnesota, but I also, from, you know, your, your guest tonight, um, it's very clear to me that maybe we're, we're on the cusp of a new kind, new kinds of groups that um, can affirm other identities um, besides simply being a man of size, um, that there are other identities that need to be considered. So I, I have to say I'm hopeful, and I've also seen some groups online for, um, there's one called Chubby Guy Swag I wrote a little bit about, and it's about um, big men, and it can be men of color, it can be trans gay men, it can be moms who have chubby boys and want some fashion advice for their child uh, who, who's battling going to middle school every day with kids, you know, him, and um, it's a kind of online resource where people can go and find style advice, you know, because I think you also have to consider that um, big men are kind of left out of the fashion industry. Nobody seems to be um, catering to these men, right? So um, I've also seen groups emerge where people share resources, you know, here's where I found this particular outfit, um, you know, I'm pretty near broke, so you know, I was able to get it on a budget, here's how much it costs. So, so I think I think there's more groups emerging, and I, I actually am, am hopeful that these groups will grow. Um, we also live in a, an aging society, and so um, as we're getting heavier, top heavier with uh, baby boomers that are growing older in our society, I also think that these groups are also um, a lot kinder to men who are growing older or men who are aging. Um, so I think these groups can also serve, you know, as a place where um, not only is it about size, but maybe you're also getting on in years and you don't feel like you fit into the gay scene. Um, so I, I also think these groups are kinder to, to men who are aging in the gay community too. So I do think they have, my hope is they'll continue to grow. <laughs> awesome. This is just really good. Uh, Tony. Last word. What do you want people to think about what he is? And this is your platform. Say what you need. Um, I want everybody to come out. Whoever hears this podcast, um, definitely come out if you can. It starts on July. Th- I mean, June thirtieth ends at July third. Um, look at our website. It's www.heetzim.com. That's heetzim.com. You can see all our information. See the beautiful pictures that we have, and definitely see the itinerary that we have set in place for this year. Um, our biggest. Um, our biggest biggest night is our um, jungle theme night, which is a costume party, and that's going to be at Jungle Island. And we're looking forward to having all of our urban bears come out in their in their great um, African African attire or jungle. Uh, jungle attire. Just bring just bring it out. We gave them the, a nice platform, a nice little place to just do it and have a good time. Let loose, let their inner animal just shine. So I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to all the other events. I'm just looking forward to everyone that's coming out. To enjoy themselves and have a good time. Wow, thank you guys so much for coming to the show. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. And like I said, this is going to be something I'm going to put out as much information as possible. Beware, it's going to be on the podcast uh, website. So you will definitely see that on also the episode in terms of some of the highlights is going to be uh, regarding the topic. So thank you, Jake. You thank you, Jason, for coming on to the show as well to kind of give us a little insight uh, from your perspective, especially doing some of the research you've done in the past. Thank you, Emilio, and thank you, Tony. It's a pleasure. Thank Thanks. you guys so much. This is Chris with Brothers Speed Podcast signing out. Have a great day, guys.